from the utopian view of Richard Brautingham's poem All Watched Over by Machines of Loving Grace, to the dystopian perspectives of Martin Ford's Rise of the Robots or The Terminator, the autonomous robot has captured the imagination like few other technology concepts. What's the reality today? My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. Recently, I saw a news item that caught my eye. It was about a tie-up between IT services vendor and systems integrator T-Systems and KUKA, the robot manufacturer. They make the general purpose robot arms that are the quintessential poster child for automated processes in factories. On the face of it, this item seems fairly innocuous, but I think it's interesting for two reasons. Firstly, because robotics is one of those sectors that's on the cusp of realising some of the innovation benefits from separating software from hardware, as I was discussing back in episode three. Secondly, because it's squarely focused on the manufacturing requirements of small and medium-sized businesses. This isn't just about the gigantic Industry 4.0 initiatives of Airbus, BMW or ThyssenKrupp, exciting though those are. This is democratisation of the use of autonomous systems in factory production. That, for me, is very exciting. It's also illustrative, perhaps, of the impact of COVID-19. In episode two, I was talking about how lockdown had created greater demand for a lot of Internet of Things use cases, albeit with challenges for supply. T-Systems and KUKA are clearly gearing up to ride that wave of demand when it's unleashed. The news also reminded me of a session I ran at the Automation and Robotics online conference back in June, where I delved into some interesting trends in the market. I want to share some of those with you in this week's episode to give my perspective on where we are today and where we're headed in the near future. At Transformer Insights, as a category, we talk about autonomous robotic systems which perhaps needs a little definition. In this category, we consider any distributed physical machines, like industrial robots, drones, and autonomous vehicles, that are able to operate autonomously and potentially collectively. They can be defined more or less on two axes. One is the extent to which they move, with surgical robots, for instance, being virtually static, and military drones having ranges of hundreds of kilometers. The other is their deployment environment, ranging from consumer grade, such as domestic robots and consumer drones, through commercial grade, like delivery robots and autonomous vehicles, through to industrial grade, such as autonomous mining equipment, surgical equipment and factory robots. Today, the market for autonomous systems tends to focus on machines that are largely static and that are industrial grade. According to the International Federation of Robotics, in 2018, about half of the $33 billion spent on robotics went on industrial robots, and a further 9% on medical. Autonomous vehicles was 12%, and another 12% went on the entertainment category, which today is mostly consumer drones, but in the future, who knows? In fact, in terms of volumes of devices, consumer drones and personal domestic devices massively dominate the numbers. But 
with industrial and surgical robots costing in the region of $40,000 and more, compared to around $200 for a Roomba, the reason for the dominance of industrial as a proportion of spend is pretty obvious. In the Transformer Insights investment forecasts published back at the start of the year, we predicted that the lion's share, over 90%, of investment in robotic systems over the next 10 years will be from the manufacturing sector, specifically for manipulation robots. Transport, construction, health and agriculture and forestry all feature, but at much lower levels, typically involving drones and personal assistance robots. I haven't yet mentioned warehousing, but that's also a very interesting space. I won't dwell on it too much in this podcast, but the advent of COVID-19 stimulated a lot of interest in automating elements of the supply chain, including warehousing. One interesting example is Acardo Technology, which has developed the Acardo Smart Platform warehouse automation solution in collaboration with Acardo Engineering. It picks and packs customer shopping using machine vision, natural language processing, and warehouse optimization. I thoroughly recommend you track down the video on YouTube, a link of which will be in the transcript of the podcast on wirelessnoodle.com. Geographically, there are also some interesting things happening. According to our forecast, despite China being the workshop of the world, it will be more or less matched for investment in this space by North America, which is in the number one spot, and Europe, which is just behind China. Robotic systems will be used as part of an onshoring process, which is much more relevant to Europe and North America than to China. Japan and South Korea also score high for exactly the same reasons. The benefits of onshoring are obvious. Reduce transport cost and improve responsiveness to market conditions. Intuitively, it makes sense to put your manufacturing nearer to the customer, assuming those benefits are outweighed by those of scale and lower wage costs. The latest strides in additive manufacturing and autonomy mean that I expect a lot more localised manufacturing in the coming few years. In the last episode, I talked about the characteristics of various digital transformation projects in the real world. It's interesting to dig into the characteristics of the use cases of autonomous robotic system. Almost all of the projects that are worth considering fit into two categories, drones and factory robots. Now these have very different profiles. Drones are very quick to deploy and pay back, typically a matter of a few months for each. The use of manipulation robots, in contrast, typically take a year to deploy and many years to pay back. Considering the impact, we rated over 95% of implementations across both categories as having significant or transformational effect on process efficiency, a much lower impact on the company's value propositions. The use of these technologies is about efficiency savings. At least today they are. It's perhaps not surprising that the earliest adoption of autonomous systems are where they can do the least harm. In drones for mapping tree growth, in medical for suturing, and in manufacturing for packaging and labelling. Unlike the adoption of most other technologies like AI or distributed ledger, implementation of autonomous robotic systems is mostly about de-risking. Most other technologies are considered to have some inherent risk, 
but on balance, implementing robotic systems are considered to reduce risk for the implementing organisation. That doesn't mean that they're not important. Over a quarter of these implementations that we track are considered to be mission critical or highly mission critical, slightly above the average for other technologies. Another interesting characteristic we found is that over 90% of implementations are based on fully productized solutions bought off the shelf. This is a good sign for scale benefits cascading through lots of smaller organizations. This is the democratization idea that I spoke about in relation to T-Systems and KUKA. Another characteristic that we dig into for the robotic systems is the degree of automation. There is a standard well-established six-level hierarchy developed by SAE International, which ranges from level zero, i.e. no automation, up to level five, full automation. In between, there are diminishing requirements for operator assistance. Manipulation robots have over 75% in the top category and over 95% in the top two categories. These are largely or completely automated systems. Mobile robotic systems, however, i.e. predominantly drones, have a much more mixed profile. Less than 10% are in the top two categories and 40% are in the bottom two. Partially, this is due to regulation. You just can't fully automate a lot of drones today, particularly unmanned aerial vehicles. But the direction of travel is towards that. It's noticeable that the degree of autonomy is closely related to the extent to which the device might move into a public space. On private land, owners can more or less do as they please. For instance, with enormous autonomous dump trucks in mines or combine harvesters in agriculture. But once you stray into the public sphere, for instance, with delivery robots, either UAVs or pavement, or with autonomous passenger cars, it becomes quite the minefield. The conclusion I draw is that organisations will use and prefer autonomy to an extent only limited by law. And the law is heading in only one direction, more autonomy. I mentioned in the intro about the separation of software and hardware layers in robotic systems. It feels like we're just on the cusp of something interesting. Take drones, for instance. The dominant world player is DJI, but increasingly, there are intelligence providers such as Dreamhammer, Drone Deploy and Pictera providing an intelligence overlay on top of the hardware platform. There are also fully integrated providers such as Dell Air that, while they do make the hardware, are more focused on the drone intelligence space. There are also, of course, a whole load of application providers such as Aerodyne and Cyberhawk supporting specific use cases. The same is also true for land vehicles. The old model of the hardware manufacturer dominating the whole of the technology landscape is giving way to something very different. With the advent of both electric vehicles and autonomous driving, new disruptive players are spotting an opportunity to wrestle control from the old guard. We've seen this to an extent in electric vehicles with Tesla gaining a strong foothold. With autonomous vehicles, I expect it to be even more pronounced. Assuming, of course, that we can ever really get to proper autonomy. It's likely that the makers of the cars will be the same companies, VW, Toyota, etc., because they have the infrastructure. 
but an autonomous vehicle world is likely to be equally dominated by a new set of service providers managing the application and the intelligence of the system. Those might include Uber, the aforementioned Tesla, Google, Amazon, Zipcar, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, any of the traditional car rental companies, for instance, all of whom are making significant bets on autonomous vehicles. Finally, with factory robots, we see a similar model. The old hardware players like ABB, KUKA and Kawasaki Robotics will continue to dominate the hardware market. But we also see a new generation of intelligence and application providers such as Altizon, Bright Machines and Mtech riding on top of the hardware. Interestingly, in part this is because the on-device processing isn't up to snuff. They're often years old machines with underpowered processors on board. If you want to run the latest automation software, almost by definition, you need to go beyond the closed system of the robot itself using edge gateways. This creates an opportunity for someone else to create the software. Some of the robotics manufacturers, most notably ABB, KUKA and Yaskawa, have been working on beefing up their full service offering, including intelligence and applications. This brings me on to a particularly interesting area of development for manipulation robots. Programming by demonstration. In the world of robotic process automation, bots, which sit on PCs, are shown a repetitive IT-based task that is being currently fulfilled by a person. Examples might be copying information out of an email and putting it into a spreadsheet, or it might be logging invoices on an account system. The RPA bot is shown how the task is performed and then set to imitate the human activity. It can be spectacularly more efficient. Although never quite the plug and play miracle that the vendors might have you believe, it's also quite primitive, if you think about it. Literally getting a bot to do what a human would do. Better, surely, to find a more native way of automating the system. Nevertheless, very effective. Programming by demonstration, uses machine vision and machine learning to analyse a human's physical actions and replicate them using a manipulation robot. It's still early days, but I'd expect this would be just as efficient as the RPA methods, but also somehow primitive. Surely there are more efficient ways to achieve the goals rather than just using robotic arms to imitate a human. It's not hard to see that there's a mental hurdle that needs to be overcome somewhere. There are obvious benefits to companies in using robotics, particularly in performing tasks more cheaply. For instance, a drone is much cheaper than hiring a helicopter. It's also a great way to knock out the impact of wage differentials and allow for onshoring of more manufacturing. But there are risks. Most importantly, two things. Firstly, the cost. Fitting out a factory can cost millions. Secondly, flexibility. Elon Musk rolled back on some of Tesla's automation, saying humans are underrated because of the flexibility they give you. There's hope for people still. Ultimately, for the utopian and dystopian views of the rise of the machines to be realised, we need a radical shift in artificial intelligence. Almost by definition, artificial general intelligence 
is needed for us to have a truly autonomous system. But it's almost impossible to tell whether we're on the cusp of unleashing AGI or it will remain forever out of our grasp. Now there's a topic for a future podcast, if ever I heard one. Next week's podcast is a special one, focused on the results of our communications service provider IoT Peer Benchmarking Report from Transformer Insights. As I've shared before, I'm ostensibly a telecoms guy for all my professional and a large chunk of my academic life. And I combine that with being an IoT guy for the last decade. So the point at which those two things overlap is obviously tremendous fun for me. In the report, we dig into the strategies of the likes of AT&T, Telefonica and Vodafone as they pertain to IoT. The aim is to provide enterprises with recommendations on who they should be working with and to provide CSPs with an opportunity to see how they match up with the competition. I hope you can join me for that. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com, that's transformer with an A, 